Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I had a very engaging conversation with Kristen Padilla from the Beeson Divinity School at Sanford University. Kristen earned her MDiv from Beeson, and God has faithfully opened doors for her to teach His Word as a retreat speaker, a mentor, a Bible study curriculum writer, and at her church, the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Kristen's latest book, Now That I'm Called, is available in June 2018 from Zondervan. Now, on this week's episode, Kristen and I discuss a biblical understanding of ministerial calling. She provides helpful insights into mentoring those who are wrestling with the call into ministry, including working through questions such as, what type of ministry am I called to, and can women be called to gospel ministry? This is an incredibly insightful discussion, so please won't you join me in my conversation with Kristen Padilla. Kristen, I just want to welcome you to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you for making the time to be with us today. Thank you. It's really an honor. Awesome. Now, Kristen, I'm I'm super excited about the topic we're going to jump into today um, because I imagine that a lot of the pastors who are listening, um, there are many who have who've walked through this process themselves, um, but there are probably also a lot of ministry leaders who are listening in today and are, are finding themselves wrestling with some of the things we're going to talk about. And so, so the big topic we're focusing in on is this whole idea of being called into ministry. So can you start us off by kind of walking us through, you know, the thought? We've all had conversations, you know, and we talk about the fact that every Christ follower is indeed called to serve the kingdom. And yet we find that there is this... Um, this kind of additional or deeper calling in some ways. We see this in scripture. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, the difference between those two and kind of just give us some framework for this conversation? Scripture actually has a lot to say about calling. It is not a calling textbook per se, um, but we do see from the very beginning of scripture, God intervening in history, calling, if you will, uh, two people, Adam and Eve, giving them calling papers to be fruitful, to multiply, to uh, work the land. And then we see him throughout scripture calling people uh, for specific tasks. And as Christ followers, we um, know that the greatest calling is his call, calling us into relationship with himself through his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, the word call or the concept around call is most used in reference to that type of call in the New Testament, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And being a disciple of Jesus Christ comes with a task, so to speak. It comes with taking the Great Commission. It comes with taking care of the widows and the outcasts and the poor. The call includes uh, using the gifts that God has given you for the building up of the church. So in one sense, we are all called to ministry. We are all ministers on his behalf, ambassadors for the gospel. Um, but there is a sense in scripture in which he does call some people for a ministry that's, I, I guess I could say beyond the ministry of every believer. And that is to use Ephesians 4, that is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to um, serve as stewards or shepherds of God's people. I use this analogy in my book that the kind of call I'm talking about 
reminds me of Lord of the Rings. Uh, in the make-believe realm of Gondor, you had a steward who was never to sit in the rightful place of the king, but who was to um, rule until the king came. And so we see people who are raised up uh, within the church, within God's people, to um, shepherd the people until the great good shepherd comes and returns to gather us all up home. So yes, there is a sense in which we are all called to ministry, but then there are, what I find in scripture, those who God calls to a ministry to be perhaps capital M ministers to the lowercase m ministers. Oh, that, that's well said. And one of the things I notice in your book, and incidentally, your book is entitled Now That I'm Called, and uh, it's it's a fascinating book. It's it's one of those books that you can really dig into. In, in um, you have reflection questions and questions that you can talk through with a ministerial mentor that you talk about. But one of the things that that I noticed in the book is when you're talking about calling, you talk about this sort of grid that we see um, common in both Old Testament and New Testament as we read these stories of those who were called for this you know task of of ministering and. And the grid talks about being called to serve on behalf of God, called to serve for the people of God, and then called to minister the word of God. Can you dig a little more deeply into that for us? Yes. So one of my approaches with this book was to start at the very beginning of Scripture and ask questions such as, does God call people to a ministry that is something different than the call of every believer? And if so, what does that look like? Are there commonalities? And so I looked at people that we would imagine uh, anyone looking at Moses and David and uh, Jeremiah, you know, the heavy hitters, um, but then also some like Deborah and Huldah and then into the New Testament with uh, Peter and Paul and Timothy and so forth. And one of the commonalities I noticed is that they were all called by God, which might be assumed, but it was interesting reading the prophets, especially Jeremiah, one of the distinctions between the false prophets and the true prophets of God were that the false prophets were not called by God. It's very clear, I did not call them, God says. So um, they were all called by God in very different and unique ways, we could say. Uh, Moses was called uh, by God from a burning bush that was not on fire. Joshua was called through the person of Moses. Um, God's call came to Joshua through Moses. We find uh, David um, being called uh, through the laying on of hands of a prophet. And Jeremiah, it says that uh, God appeared to him in a vision. And so in all of these people, we have uh, stories that it's very clear that God is the one who calls us. Uh, it's not a calling that comes from within us, uh, something that we aspire to do of, of our own free will. But it is um, God's call comes outside of us and redirects and reorients our hearts. And then called uh, to serve the people of God. That was a common element as well that the the people of God's mission can be summed up uh, in Scripture with "I will be their God and they will be my people." You find that all that refrain all throughout the Old Testament, and then you find in the New Testament that God Himself has come in order to redeem a people for Himself. 
So the people of God is very important to, to God, to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the people that we uh, see in this type of role in the Old Testament are guarding and protecting and nurturing the people of God. And then um, we see in the New Testament, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, you see Peter, the other apostles, Paul, protecting and nurturing the people of God, the church, for the return of Jesus Christ, uh, the true prophet, priest, and king. And so for the people of God, administering the word of God, the word of God is central to everything, uh, to everyone's calls that I looked at in scripture. There is a sense in which uh, you're not a good shepherd if you're not feeding God's word. Uh, People are only going to have life. They're going to have life abundantly through the word of God. And so uh, we might have, I bring that grid into today, into our discussion today, there might be people who are called to a justice ministry, and it's a very good ministry. Um, they are helping people. But if the Word of God is not present in that ministry, I would not see it as fitting in this grid of vocational ministry called by God for the people of God to deliver the Word of God. Kristen, excellent. So that's um, helpful. Now, one of the phrases that you use in your book in talking about this calling, as you've described, is you refer to these callings that you find in Scripture as being one-sided, mercy-driven events. What do you mean by that, one-sided, mercy-driven? Yeah, I mean that God is the one who calls us and redeems us. I don't know about you, but I'm very aware that I'm a sinner and really do not deserve that to be used by God in any way. And I find that in scripture, you know, when Moses uh, was called by God, he immediately almost says, well, (laughs) I, I'm not, I'm slow in tongue and you know, I'm not, I'm really am I the person that you, uh, would want to do this task? Who am I? Um, and then Jeremiah also puts forth these excuses. So they really, our calls come from God. They or they they come from the God who redeems, who loves, who transforms our hearts, who um, is so loving to use people like us, uh, even though we don't deserve to be used. Um, but that is one of the wonderful things about the gospel of Jesus Christ that. Uh, that we don't deserve grace, and that's what makes it great. Um, grace. And I think the same, what is true for our salvation is true for our callings, that God would use us at all, is a testimony to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. That's good. That's good. I love that. Now, um, my own call experience, and I'm not going to bore everyone with my whole story, but I was studying for medical schools. I was accepted to medical school, but I've been wrestling with God um, in regard to a call into vocational ministry. And I tried to negotiate with God. I was like, hey, I'll go be a doctor in Africa or Asia on the mission field. And, and for me, my journey, um, I had to give up my aspirations to become a medical doctor to really step into the calling that God had on my life. And when I went through that process, I honestly imagined that once I threw it all in and said, okay, God, let's go for this, that it was going to be just kind of writing on the wall for me. Like, you know, because I had my life planned out, I thought, and I just thought that God was going to say, awesome, Jason, and just kind of lay it all out. I did not find that to be true at all. So I, I, I was curious if you could help us a little bit, Kristen. Um, what do you say to someone who has sensed that, that direct call into vocational ministry 
and has accepted it, right, and has stepped out there, but they're unsure what area of ministry they're called to step into. Well, let me first say that what you describe is similar to what I went through, even though I wasn't in medical school, uh, that I had that that strong sense and probably naive sense that once I felt God was calling me to ministry, that he was going to make clear my path. Right. He's going to show me what was next and that, you know, it would kind of be easy sailing. And none of that was true for me. Um, in fact, I describe it as being in a dark room with my hands outstretched trying to find a light switch. And I think it's even more that way for women called to ministry. Um, for the most part, it can be a little bit easier for men in regard to a kind of a path. Uh, but for women, and even though my church was very supportive and encouraging, they did not know what to say to me or to tell me, really. Um, I often received the words um, that I must be wanting to be the next Beth Moore or I must be a pastor's wife. You know, those were the two categories <laughs> in which they were, they could imagine me doing ministry. So I, I kind of had that same, um, same situation that you described. But for those who are feeling called to ministry, I would encourage you to seek out people in your church who will help discern with you. Uh, the church I'm now part of puts together discernment committees uh, that are made up of lay people and one minister. And I think that's a great model to follow. Um, unfortunately, most churches do not offer uh, offer that. So it will involve seeking out uh, people in your church who will pray with you, who will uh speak into your life, who can tell you, yes, I see God leading you in this direction, or no, I don't, who can look at your spiritual gifts with you. So I think that's really important to discern your calling within a community of prayer and to know that the call is a journey, that it's not necessarily going to uh, flourish or be what it's going to be all at once. In our day and age, we are so used to things happening fast. And I remember when I was in my 20s thinking I had to have it all together by the time I was 30. And now I'm 35 and <laughs> I'm still not together. And so just remembering that you know, Jesus prepared 30 years for a three-year public ministry, um, that Moses was 80 when God called him and lived until he was 120. And uh, so when we start looking at people's stories in Scripture and how long sometimes things took, and how even then they might hear from the Lord, but then they go for a while and they don't hear from the Lord. I think reading those stories in Scripture can really encourage us, especially when we are not having an easy answer as to what's next. Does yeah. that help? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, Chris. I, I think one of the things that I found, and I, I'm still trying to figure life out as well. <laughs> um, I'm on that journey as well. But one of the things that I found was that I think for me, and, and this, when I'm mentoring, you know, people who are calling to ministry, I always say, you know, be sure to say, you know, this was my experience. Not everyone's experience is obviously the same. But for me, I think one of the things was I was a, I don't like to admit it, but I was, I was kind of very driven and kind of had control and had everything plotted out and planned out. And so for me, I think God was kind of breaking me of that and helping me be, to become more dependent upon him, 
um, and trusting him with that next step as opposed to me having everything planned out. So I guess just encouragement, if, if you're listening today and, and you have accepted that call to ministry, you, you know God's calling you to ministry, but you're not sure what the next steps are, perhaps it's just that God's at work in your life, you know, building that dependence and reliance upon him um, that you can trust him. Because trust me, there have been so many days in my ministry where I needed every ounce of that dependence upon God um, just to get through that next day, right? That's really good. Yeah, when I graduated from seminary, I thought naively, once again, (laughs) I thought that having an MDiv from a reputable seminary would just open all kinds of doors for me. And it didn't. And up until that point in my life, every step had been made clear where I was going to college, where I was going to seminary. And the first job that I interviewed for, a ministry job, I didn't get it. So that was a learning experience. And it caused me to question, you know, did I understand your call? Did I mishear your call? And I actually went through a period, almost of 10 years of not in full-time vocational ministry and praying and crying and asking God, you know, maybe I misheard you or maybe I should just give up this pursuit of trying to communicate your word uh, to be faithful to you with the small ways in which I was doing ministry. And every time I tried to walk away, I had an experience like Jeremiah or Paul who, you know, when they wanted to to walk away, they couldn't because it was like a fire in your bones. Right. Uh, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This kind of woe, I, I can't get, give this up. And God has been faithful. And looking back now and um, seeing where he has brought me and how he's using me, I'm realizing only by looking retrospectively that God was at work all along. And so I'm grateful that I you know, that I was able to remain faithful, even when it wasn't that clear. Yeah, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing that, because uh, I know in it's so many of the people I've talked to, have, uh, you know, we've experienced um, seasons like that where, you know, we're, we're, sure, we're like, wait, we, we made all, all these movements in our life to pursue this calling that we sensed. Um, but did we somehow miss something? You know, do we do we mis- yeah. <laughs> misinterpret something here, God? And so I think you know many people in ministry have those same experiences. So thank you for sharing that uh, sharing that with us. Um, I do want to jump into something that we touched on a bit, and I know in your book you dig much more deeply into this, and that is um, women being called into gospel ministry. In fact, you you dedicate quite a bit in your book to this whole idea. You know, does the Bible restrict the callings? Of women, so I just want to just open this up, and would you share with us, you know, what you've learned from your study of Scripture and uh, and from your own experiences and in, in in the church itself? Does the Bible restrict women when it comes to their their calling in ministry? Sure. Um, <laughs> what a tough question, but it's one question I, I ask in my book. So. Yeah, and we could talk about this for like three <laughs> days, I'm sure. So yeah. let's go for uh, it. <laughs> well, I'll begin. Very briefly with my story, I uh, accepted Christ at a very young age. My dad is a Southern Baptist pastor. And when I was around seven or eight, I remember crying to my mom, why didn't God make me a boy so I could be a preacher? In my context at that time, my dad was the only minister on staff. We were at a very small rural church and there were no women in my life who were in vocational ministry. In fact, the only two women I knew about 
were dead. And that was Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong, only because we had some offerings named after them. So it wasn't going too well for women in ministry. So it was a period of seven, eight years of feeling this tug to the church into a ministry of God's word, um, but not having any clue as to um, how I could minister to God in his church, uh, given my context. Um, Finally, when I was 15, uh, my mom encouraged me and said, Kristen, if God is really calling you and we see that God is calling you in this direction, you need to surrender and then he'll show you how that's going to work itself out. And so I did. And through my time at, uh, in college and in seminary, I had to wrestle, though, with the question, can I as a woman be called uh, to ministry? That was part of my discernment process, really. Uh, is it biblical for me as a woman to serve in ministry? And again, especially because I was coming from a context where there weren't really any women in full-time ministry. Uh, Finally, when I was uh, in high school, there was a part-time children's director, (laughs) but that was, that was pretty much it. So as I was, when I was in seminary and I was praying about what God had in store for me, he began putting in my path women who had similar experiences, who were asking some of the same questions. So from the time I graduated seminary, really up until the time I wrote this book, that was a question that I was wrestling with. Um, I read a lot of books, read a lot of scripture. My husband is a New Testament scholar, and so he and I were able to read commentaries and think through uh, this question a little bit more deeply. Uh, As it relates to your question, though, can women uh, be in ministry or does the Bible restrict women from ministry? Uh, One of the first things that I did with this book was I started from the beginning and I wanted to put put scripture in conversation with itself. So some people jump first to, to straight to first Timothy two. And then they read all of scripture in in light of First Timothy two eleven through fifteen, um, but I really wanted to put uh, scripture in conversation with the, with itself. And what I found was that God was engaging women in uh, in ministerial roles, if we can use that term uh, to speak of the Old Testament, but in roles that you would it would be surprising to find a woman like Deborah. Uh, who was a judge, not only a judge, a prophetess judge. And I believe that she's only uh, one of only two uh, prophet judges uh, in the Old Testament. So we have Deborah, we have Miriam, who was a prophetess, we have Huldah, who was a prophetess, and um, we have other examples of women doing the work of the Lord, who, who God called to do his work for his people. And then by the time we get to the New Testament, we see an increase in women in the work of ministry. In fact, uh, Luke begins with uh, Mary. And it's interesting how uh, Mary, as compared to Zechariah, that Zechariah is a priest serving in Jerusalem. And because of his disbelief, he becomes mute. 
And then the rest of the incarnation, the story is told through uh, Mary's perspective and through Mary's words. So we have the first interpretation of the incarnation in Mary's uh, song, the Magnificat, which is pretty cool. And then you see Paul um, speak of women who are his co-workers or co-laborers in ministry. You have Priscilla, you have Phoebe, you have Junia, you have um, the other women of Romans 16. And then you have two women in Philippians who are actually having um, some conflict, but he calls them his fellow laborers in the Lord. And so you see women who are actively involved in ministry, actively involved in Jesus's ministry. So then what do you do with 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15? And um, I probably won't get into those interpretations unless you uh, want to discuss that more. But what I found in reading uh, people on both sides is that they all agree that uh, it does not silence or restrict women from all ministry. Even in a, a an older piece that I read by John Piper, he mentions that women should be serving side by side with men. And so there is a sense in which whatever tradition you're, you're in, uh, that women, uh, that there is ministry space for women. And, you know, using kind of a greater to lesser argument, if if God saw fit to inspire his word through the mouths of women, how much more so is he glad to use women who are faithful followers of him to teach his word, to expound upon his word? You know, um, we believe that a family that it's best for children when there's a father and a mother at home. And as I read scripture, I see that that's what God's doing. He, from the very beginning, put a father and a mother. And in the church, uh, I believe he is raising up fathers and mothers to care for the spiritual children, for the family of God. So we, we see evidence of women who are uh, co-laborers in ministry, and then also living in light of Joel 2 and Galatians. We know that gifts are from the Holy Spirit, and they're not divided along gender lines, but God has given, poured out His Spirit equally on men and women to use to to use these gifts to equip the body of Christ. And so the church probably hasn't done a great job, generally speaking, in creating vocational spaces for women to serve. Uh, but I believe that is very biblical to create spaces for women who are called by God to serve the people of God, to teach, to deliver the word of God, um, even if it's even if it's to women and children. Um, I, my prayer is that the church would do a better job at engaging women. God called women in this kind of ministry work. Excellent. What would you say, Kristen, to uh, maybe maybe there's um, a woman listening today who's been wrestling with a call into ministry. Um, but she has found herself in kind of a context where um, that hasn't been encouraged. What would your encouragement be to her in, in the midst of that? Yeah, um, I had a woman call me last week uh, asking that same question. And my first advice is to engage in these kinds of conversations with the leadership, with the pastor. Perhaps he hasn't ever really thought about it. 
perhaps there are ways that he can create spaces for you to serve, but then also to broaden your horizon and look and see if there are other areas in which you can serve. One thing I do at the end of each chapter is I provide a story of a woman in gospel ministry. And I do this for several reasons, but one of them being showing the many ways in which women who feel called by God can serve the people of God. That might be through a college ministry, working at a university. It may be by working in a, uh, at a friend who worked at, at CentraKid, at LifeWay's CentraKid, and then later she wrote curriculum for LifeWay. Um, so there are many ways in which you can work out that calling that is related to the church, is for the church, but maybe not necessarily on staff at a church. That's helpful. Now, as pastors are listening, we have we have obviously many, many pastors who listen to this podcast every week around the world. And so I was wondering, could you maybe share, I mean, you've, you've got their ear right now. So what is it that you would like to encourage lead pastors when it comes to understanding and encouraging women in their calling? Because there's some that are listening right now, quite honestly, that are like, you know, probably pushing back really hard. There are others that are celebrating and say, yes, thank you, Kristen. Um, so what advice, encouragement, or, or what would you like to say to pastors who are listening when it comes to, you know, this issue in the church that we're kind of digging into more and more and more, it seems, you know, in our contemporary world? Yeah, I would encourage or say to male senior pastors that if you care about all of your sheep, all the people that God has put under your care, then that also requires that you care about who is helping you shepherd them, who is under you shepherding them. Too often I've seen churches communicate non-verbally that they don't really care who's teaching the women and the children. Um, and that's communicated through who they hire, uh, maybe part-time, maybe they are not hiring anyone at all. Mm. And unfortunately, I've seen too many instances where false teaching is entering into the church through the doors of women, <laughs> women's ministries. Not all, but some. And as much as we like to think that we're making a big difference on Sunday mornings with our sermons, which we are, and we want to faithfully continue to preach week in and week out, for a lot of women in the church, uh, they might be helping out in the nursery, or they're home with a sick kid, or they're helping with worship care. And who is influencing them more or discipling them more throughout the week are the women that they're reading their blogs or a Bible study that they picked up at a bookstore or a Bible, a, a group that meets together at the church to discuss a book. But who's making this, the decisions as to which books they should read or which voices should be influencing them or teaching them? And it does matter because God has given those people, women and children, as a charge unto you to watch over and to protect. So I, I would encourage senior pastors, and I'm speaking specifically to those who have an who might have a more narrow view of what women can and cannot do. And so I want to say, even if it is only, if women can only minister to other women and children, then let's give them the best. Let's 
give them shepherds who will uh, support you in the ministry that you're doing, but that also will infuse the gospel of Jesus Christ into the women and children. It will only make for a stronger church. That's awesome. That's great words of encouragement, Kristen. Thank you so much. And if people want to get your book, your book is entitled Now That I'm Called, and it's um, being published by Zondervan, and um, that's available um, any, anywhere specific or pretty much everywhere books are sold? I think anywhere books are sold. Awesome. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, Kristen, or, or your ministry, um, what are some places that they could connect with you? Yeah, I have a website, Kristen R. Padilla. Dot com and I'd love for them to reach out to me over there. I also have a, a, a Facebook page that they can reach me at, and I'm also active on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, I would love to be a resource of encouragement to um, to any of your listeners. Excellent, Kristen. Thank you so much. And we will have links to the book and then also links to your website, Kristen, and, and ways that they can connect with you in the show notes for this episode. So I just want to thank you again, Kristen, not only for taking the time to be with us today, but for um, being so um, honest and transparent with your own journey, your own calling into ministry, and uh, putting a lot of that together into this new book, Now That I'm Called, to encourage others who are on the same journey, and, and especially those women who are discerning their call into ministry. I think that's a huge resource and a much needed resource. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's really been a joy and a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.